A few years ago, I was part of this pastor's group that met regularly and sometimes started text threads together. And, and one of the pastors started a text thread this way. Y'all, I need help with this sermon. What is your or a definition of home? And the group began chiming in first with a little kind of pastor humor. My personal definition or the Greek in Matthew chapter 2? Again, very pastor specific. And then someone said, you know, home is a dwelling where the basic activities of living take place on a regular basis. Someone quoted Robert Frost, home is the place where when you have to go there, they have to take you in. <laughs> home, for me, another said, is that place where I feel the weight of the world slide off my shoulders. Another said, I feel like home is more defined by things in my head and my heart than by external things. Home, another said, home is where you can be yourself. Another, I remember the first time I caught myself calling NC State home when I was in college, rather than the place I grew up, Winston-Salem. I was like, whoa, what does that mean? Personally, I added in the text thread, I feel like home has a taste, like, like the meal that you tell everyone, this is going to be the best blank you ever had. What would you say? What's your image of home? Who's there? Does it have a taste? What about First Presbyterian Church at Georgetown? What's the image, the ways that make for home, the people? Then one pastor ruined the whole thing. Just after that one had said, home is where you can be yourself, she chimes in and goes, and God calls you to leave it. Smiley face. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. Our story today is the foundational story in which three of the major religious traditions of the globe, Islam, Judaism, Christianity, find our common roots. This is the story of Abram, eventually Father Abraham, right? It is difficult to underestimate just how faith-shaping, paradigm-shaping, history-shaping this story is. And it begins with God calling a person from his home, from the land most familiar, the people most familiar, the rhythms most familiar. Of course, if we're going to make any kind of significant move like that at any point in our life, uh, we do want to know where we're going and how long it will take and what it will take and what to expect. I mean, just last week, my family and I, we, we finished up a 10-day trip to the UK, got a chance to visit a little bit of London and see some dear friends in Edinburgh, wonderful trip. And I, for one, was so grateful for the remarkably detailed spreadsheet that my wife Michelle put together ahead of the trip, right? Packing lists for the family, itinerary, backup itinerary if this or that doesn't work out or we end up having more time with this or that. Plan for our dog, Dexter, back here. Rain gear list, also cold weather gear list, and warm weather gear list, because y'all, the weather changes every 15 minutes over there. I mean, if you're going to go to someplace very different and far away from home, you want to know 
what the plan is and how it's going to go and, and, and what the backup plan is. And fortunately, God continues talking to Abram and not just leaving Abram at, go to a place I will show you. <clears throat> I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great so you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families will be blessed through you. And that's it. Seven promises are named right here in those two sentences. Amazing promises. We'll talk a little bit about in a moment. But also, did you notice the lack of specificity? Nothing, actually, about what to pack, what route, even where exactly we're going, how long it will take, how much it might cost. On top of that, the promises, they're honestly near absurd, I will make you a great nation does not refer to I'm going to make you a a kind of a confederation of like-minded people groups from around you and put you together into a thing. That would be amazing. But no, it's actually referring to making Abram a huge biological extended family. But Abram and Sarah have no children. In fact, the Bible tells us she's been unable to conceive and they are in their mid-70s. So... You, Abram, who have absolutely no rational reason to believe this makes any sense, that you shall be the biological father of multitudes so great that you will bless all the families of the earth. You, Abram, go in that promise. Then again, it it does honestly prove in keeping with how God does go about blessing us and blessing this world, quite frankly. You heard to Matthew in our passage from uh, the gospel today, who's very much at home in his everyday profession of tax collecting, the word goes forth, follow me. And that's it. Uh, do you remember the rich man who came to, to, to Jesus with his, his wealth, his lifestyle, and he wants to know, how do I inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, sell all that you have, distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come, follow me. A little bit more specificity, however incredibly painful and hard, but still rather vague on what kind of treasure this guy's going to have and and where and how this following is going to go from there. Or what about, you remember when Jesus first sends out his 72 disciples in Luke chapter 10, who undoubtedly just started to feel at home with themselves being students of this rabbi and learning, and Jesus looks to them and says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, go. I'm sending you out like lambs amid the wolves. Also, do not pack a purse, a bag, or sandals. Greet no one on the road. Okay, a little bit more detail about how hard it will be and what not to pack. But really, the most striking thing here and and, and time and again throughout Scripture is when it comes to how God changes and blesses us and changes and blesses this world. It begins with a go. Trust the blessings assured. Trust the harvest is plentiful. Or, Or to use the words of the Apostle Paul, trust that what God is going to do is far more than we could ever ask for or imagine. Trust that somehow, someway, in God's timing, love never fails. Go. When God calls, God is rich 
on promises. Poor on the particulars. Carl Jung, the famous Swiss psychiatrist and psychoanalyst of the early mid-1900s and whose work informed significantly the, the counseling and therapy that is done uh, here and around the world at this point, he, he once put it this way. You know, if your path is clear before you, you're probably on somebody else's path. If you're ever looking out the next step, the next thing, the next leg of the journey, and you can see, well, it's going to be first this, then this, then this, then this. Yoon says, honestly, you're probably looking at somebody else's path that you're mapping onto yours and, and how they did it and articulating how you saw them doing it and calling it yours. Yoon says, the only real path forward, the only way to step into a genuine call of God the genuine one that God has for us as a unique people and as unique individuals. The only path forward is to follow the call of go. The runs deep within. Go from home. Vague on the specifics about how and where and what it will all look like. In the church, of course, we, we call this walking by faith. Ever trusting that the God who cannot help but be faithful will walk with us and for us every step of the way. So again, what, what's your image or definition of home? And it may be that we have multiple images and definitions. Home, for some of us, may be a literal location. Some, it may be certain comfortable rhythms. Some, it may be the safety of certain relational dynamics, good or, or bad, quite frankly. Home, for some of us, may be an addiction that tears us apart, but it's at least the devil that we do know. Home, for some of us, may be wealth and the accompanying lifestyle. Home, for some of us, may be a certain uh, vocation. Home may be, for some of us, an internal thing, a certain self-understanding of ourselves, or the world, philosophy. Home, for some of us, may be certain fundamental ways of being and doing church. One way we know we are actively being called into a next step of faith, a next step of growth, a next step of transformation, a next step of being blessed and being a blessing unto another. One way we know we are actively being called into God's further good work in this world is that we notice a deep, undeniable tug away from a certain definition of home that is confusing, strange, maybe even scary, but it is maybe the most real thing we can articulate right now. Does the go of God tug deeply anywhere this day? Is there a way in which God is calling us from the deeply familiar and into the unknown? Rich, with the promise of God.
At 75 years young, Abram went. As the Lord told him, you heard, he took his wife Sarai and brother, son, Lot, all the possessions they'd gathered, the persons whom they'd acquired in Haran, and they set forth and go into the land of Canaan. Basically, let's start moving and see where God leads. It really is only the only way there ever is, isn't it? We take a step, and only after we take a step do we discover then what the next step is. And, you heard, when they'd come to the land of Canaan, the, the Canaanites were there. In other words, Abram begins stepping by faith. He shows up to where one of the significant promises is to unfold, the gift of land. And the land is not available. In fact, there's a whole bunch of powerful people there, the Canaanites, who, who, who live there and make clear the promise is not going to happen. Abram doesn't know this. Y'all might remember this. It's going to be 400 more years before the blessing of the promised land is known unto God's people. Talk about not being in charge of the timeline when you step by faith. And yet the reason this story is so faith-shaping, so paradigm-shaping, so history-shaping, the reason this story is an archetype for every one of our stories is because it tells the fundamental truth. God calls us to step by faith. And precisely because of how important that work is to God and to us and to this world, precisely because of how significant that work is, inevitably, there is significant resistance that emerges. Abraham steps by faith, and the Canaanites are there. We step by faith, and, 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 and quite quickly, obvious reasons this just won't work and can't work will show up, do show up. Have you known this? Stephen Pressfield, he wrote this book, The War of Art. The War of Art, Break Through the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles. A book that has been published for over 20 years with great success because of its very concise and, and rich insights into... The war of art. At one point he writes this in that book. Rule of thumb. The more important the call or action is to our soul's evolution, the more resistance we will feel toward pursuing it. The more important the call, the more Canaanites that will be standing there. Internally or externally, or both? Goodness, Jesus himself steps towards public ministry. And who is the first person to meet him in the wilderness? The devil himself. Talk about deep resistance from the get-go. It hardly stops there, right? The very heart of our faith makes clear that to walk by faith is not to step unto one wonderful blessing after another that just gets bigger and greater every step of the way, but, but actually to walk in the path of, of God is to walk in a way where the resistance can be and is significant, whether that continues to be in here or out there or, 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 or both, because the forces aligned against God recognize how significant God's work is. Resistance is inevitable on the path of faith. 
honestly, many of us are prone, quite frankly, to, to just sort of stop right there on the path at, at that first sight of real danger, trouble, resistance. Which is perhaps why God speaks again, finally, to Abram at precisely the moment where the resistance is first real. The Canaanites are there, standing in the promise. It says, the Lord appeared to Abram at that point and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. On the journey of faith, as the resistance emerges, so too, as inevitable as the resistance is, so too is the inevitability of God showing up in that moment, in that space, with precisely just enough manna to keep the journey going. Whispers to Abram, the promise is still true. What about you? On the road of faith, have you ever known amid significant resistance Maybe even a time where you're just flailing, folding, failing altogether, stepping off the road. Have you known manna to arrive to your soul at just the right time and just the right way? God whispering, I'm still with you. I'm still for you. Keep stepping. It's no wonder Abram builds an altar to the Lord, we read. Right here in that moment when Abram hears from God in that spot. It's no wonder some of us will keep our church bulletins from years ago, ones where, where, where God, we heard God speak a particular way. We, we never want to forget that God whispered manna that day in that way. It's no wonder some of us keep a seashell from walking on the beach in a time of turmoil and trial and unknowns, and God spoke to us. We never want to forget God did that. Medicine, the journey. It's, it's, it's no wonder some of us will hold on to a particular coffee mug where we shared coffee with a dear one for, for hours over, over extended conversation and, and, and tears and laughter. We want to remember how God showed up through that person. One way or another, we, we mark and remember with gratitude, tangibly, when God shows up. It helps us know that, yeah, God's still with us on this journey. Many years after our story from this morning, the book of Hebrews, New Testament, offered one of the more famous definitions of faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance of what we do not see. The author knew that walking this road of faith is incredibly hard for the people of God, and so spends Hebrews chapter 11, where this is written, the entire time encouraging the people to keep walking by faith by reminding them of all the other people who've gone before them and walked by faith. And in this really long list that you can read in Hebrews chapter 11 includes this. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going. And at the end of this long list of all these people who walked by faith, who didn't know where it would lead and how it would lead and how it would go, we read this from the author of Hebrews. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all these people who've gone before us and stepped in this manner, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, our singular home in all of this. From your home, go. I will bless you and bless others through you. And yes, the road ahead is quite vague, the resistance inevitable, but God cannot help 
but make good on God's promises. And there's a whole bunch of others who surround us, who have heeded the go of God without knowing where and how it would all go. Who among them do you hear cheering us this morning? Shall we then step? Shall we leave home and so find our only true home that we've ever had or ever will have, namely God? Which is to ask, shall we today leave home to find home? Amen.